all this water. <laughs> well, it's so good to be here with you. I'm glad you put this here, not that big thing. So I can see over the top of this one. So it's good. So, so yeah, it's good to be here with you this morning. And I um, just missed seeing you as well, which is so it's good to be here with you and, and to see you. And I feel encouraged being amongst you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, right, I want to start by reading um, Matthew 28. So if we could turn to Matthew 28, and I'm going to read verse 18. So verse 18 and 19 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, There's probably loads of things now that are going through your heads right now, thinking, oh, this is a message about preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus and being a witness. Well, to be honest with you, you're completely right. (laughs) So, (laughs) because we have been commissioned by Jesus. Every single one of us in this room, without exception, has been commissioned by Jesus to be a witness for him, to go and tell people about him, to be a witness and to make disciples and to tell people of the gospel, the good news. You know, we can start out with some really good intentions. We can, you know, be a witness. Um, we can think, so even today, even after this message, you can have this really good intention of saying, right, that is it. I'm going to be a really good witness for Jesus. And then suddenly we have this opportunity and we become frozen like the Arctic River. We become frozen on the spot. You know, we have this opportunity to speak to our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, you know, people in the community or whatever it is. And something happens and we become frozen on the spot. What is that all about? What is holding us back? You know, sometimes we can think, well, it's not really my personality to tell people about my faith. Or it makes me look a bit weird um, when I talk about Jesus. Or we might be thinking, you know what, I, um, I don't really want to offend my friends. Or I'll leave it to the evangelists. They're the experts, not me. Or I tried it once and it didn't go down well. Oh, actually, do you know what? I tried it a few times, and people really do not want to hear about Jesus. Now, if you are someone who finds it hard, you could possibly even be thinking now, you could be having like memories of times when you know, you've had the opportunity and you've become frozen on the spot. Do you know, you are not the only one. You are not the only one that finds it really hard. 
You know, many of us have reservations and fears when it comes to evangelizing. And many of us actually break out in cold sweats, even at the mention of the word evangelism. You know, the Bible warns us with fearing people is a dangerous trap. And that's in Proverbs 29, um, verse 25. So fear comes from the enemy and always, it always comes to stop us in our trap. It's a lie of the enemy that wants to, to bound us up, stop us, to make us feel like I can't do this. And that is what fear does. And when we listen to the lies and the discouragements that we can't do this, then it's no wonder we become frozen like an Arctic river. You know, discouragement can sound a bit like this. What I know is inadequate, or I will ruin my reputation, or I'll get a bad reputation. No one wants to hear about God. I need to wait until my life is sorted out because I don't want people to think that I'm a hypocrite. Or I sound strange when I talk about my faith. Or they won't want to be friends with me anymore. I know what it's like to feel all locked up about sharing your faith. Even from a young age, I was a, I was a Christian from a very young age, and I found it really, really difficult to tell people about Jesus. There was this one time when um, we just moved, we moved town. I was about 12 or 13. We moved to a different city, and... Um, and I had to start trying making new friends at this school. Well, at that age, everyone's already got their friendship groups at school. And, you know, and I already sounded a bit strange, and I come from a different place. So trying to fit in, I found really, really difficult. And I'm actually a really, really shy person, believe it or not. You know, I am really, really shy. So being put into this new setting was really difficult for me. And I remember this time when I was in this classroom... And the teacher said, I can't remember what the question was, but it was something like, who in this room goes to church? Who's a Christian and goes to church on a regular basis? And I remember looking around the room and thinking, nobody's putting their hand up. And I was like, I can't put my hand up because I'm already weird. I already sound strange. My accent's really weird to them. And, you know, and, and, so, and I'm trying to fit in here. And I was just so scared. I was like, I can't put my hand up. You know, fear gripped me. And for many, many occasions, even after that, I really struggled. You know, we know that lies and discouragement locks us up. And when we believe those lies, when we believe those discouragements, it stops us from being who God called us to be. So what is the truth? What is the truth that we can believe? What is the truth that will help us to, to go forward? What is the truth that will unlock us and help us to be a witness for Jesus? Well, um, I've, in this recent survey I was re- reading um, recently, and we've sent it out to all our leaders to look at this, so it might be familiar to some people, but this recent survey commissioned by the Evangelical Alliance has shown that non-Christians feel quite positive about their Christian friends. So it asked a whole load of non-Christians and said, non-Christians who have friends that are Christians, and said, how do you feel about your Christian friends? And they felt quite positive. So some of the things that they would describe about their friends was that they're friendly, that they're caring, 
good-humoured, generous, encouraging, and hopeful. These are what sort of things our non-Christian friends think about us. And then the Bible says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4, verse 13. For as many of the promises of God in him, they are yes. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's Romans 8, verse, 11, verse 31. So not only is God for us, with us, strengthening us and wants to help us and, and go, you know, wants to be there with us, but our non-Christian friends actually feel quite positive about us. So I'd like to encourage you this morning that you have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that you have been given a mission to carry a message, a message that we can bring with love and with compassion and, and with grace and mercy that has the potential to change every single person's life that we come into contact with, a message that you carry. You have something to change somebody's life. So we mustn't let fear stop us. Um, you know, think about your friends who don't know Jesus. Think about your family, maybe your colleagues or, or your neighbours. Just think about, for a moment, people that you know that don't know Jesus. Now think about what their life would be like if they were secure in their identity, who God created them to be. Now think about um, what they would be like or how they would feel if they knew that they were loved and accepted. Now think about what it would feel like for them if they didn't have to carry around that shame and that guilt anymore. That they could have hope in a hopeless situation. Think about what it would be like for them if they knew there was a plan and a purpose for their lives. Do you think that they would be really pleased to know about that, to have that discovery in their life? Do you think that they have a right to know that this is a, a, an opportunity for them, this is a choice that they can make, and it's, it's entirely up to them? In that same survey that I mentioned earlier, it talks about how 54% of non-Christians say that their Christian friends have never had a conversation with them about Jesus. So 50% of non-Christians who have friends that are Christians say that their Christian friends have never taught them about Jesus. We are carrying the promise of hope, love, forgiveness, healing, purpose, and we need to start talking about Jesus. Let not fear lock us up stoppers, trappers from giving that message of life. I love this verse in Isaiah 52 verse 7. It says, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. 
Now, it doesn't say, oh, how annoying on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, or how frustrating on the mountains, or how boring on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. It says, how lovely, how lovely on the mountains, how lovely on the mountains are your feet that brings good news news to those who need to hear it, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to them, there is a God who reigns. You have something amazing to share. The Great Commission that I mentioned earlier, Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20, we can read again in Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most important things that can ever happen to us before we ever even open our mouths. After all, it's not us and our persuasive words that that touches people's lives or convinces people about Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit working through us and into their lives. So we need to be obedient to what Jesus is asking us to do and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Now, after the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in Acts 2, Peter, who, who previously denied Jesus three times, he was too afraid to say that he knew Jesus. But when he was full of the Holy Spirit, he stood in front of a crowd and started proclaiming who Jesus was. And about 3,000 people got saved that day. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, boldness comes. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, we know exactly what the right words to say. And we can read many accounts in the Bible where that happens and the Holy Spirit comes and boldness comes. You know, we can read about all these amazing things that happens and the kingdom of God is advanced. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit took the disciples out of a cozy little locked room because they were afraid. Now Jesus was crucified. They, they were afraid and, and they wanted to conceal their, whoever they were. And, the, and so the Holy Spirit took them out of that place onto the streets, into people's lives, and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He lives in your life to give you the boldness, to give you the words, to give you the opportunities so that you can proclaim Jesus, so that you can be his witness. You know, God empowers us for purpose. The Holy Spirit guides us and equips us. God's Holy Spirit not only helps us to know Jesus Christ for ourselves, but helps us to make Jesus Christ known. And he alone, he alone is the one that brings conviction and faith into someone's life. So let's take the pressure off ourselves. Let's not think it's all about us and, you know, we have to try and really persuade someone. But we can just go to people. He fills us with his Holy Spirit and he sends us and he goes with us and he helps us and he gives us the right words to say. And so we can rely on the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a real privilege when um, 
We get to partner with the Holy Spirit and we see those that we are sharing our faith with get impacted by God, get touched by God. It is a real privilege and it is worth every single stepping out there with boldness and confidence, stepping through that fear. Once you experience that, you experience actually this is the call of God on my life. This is when you know that you're who you're meant to be. You know, I love it when people encounter um, God right in front of me and I just um, see how their lives are touched and impacted. And that is for every single one of us here. So when we are full of the Holy Spirit, instead of freezing on the spot like an Arctic river, we become full of fruit and life and fullness and joy and peace. And this is what we bring into people. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus told the disciples to witness in Jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth. Sometimes it can seem more attractive to go to the ends of the earth to talk about Jesus where we're unknown and it's exciting, it's a new place, to go into some far off place. But Jesus told the disciples that he wanted them to wait there in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where they'd all deserted Jesus with fear. Jerusalem was the place where they had their most bleakest moment. This was the place they felt threatened and wanted to conceal their presence. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of God, Jerusalem went to be the starting point for global mission. The word would not have spread if they had not started from where they were at home. And this was their first and toughest challenge. No wonder they had to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. So what does Jerusalem mean to us? Could it be our most challenging place to be a witness? Could it be our home? Could it be our immediate family, friends, neighbours, our work colleagues, the community in which we live? Could it be the place that we want to conceal who we are in Jesus? As it was the disciples, it might also be a place of our greatest failings and fears. We may have messed up and those close to us have seen it. It may be that you've tried to witness before and have said the wrong thing or been really insensitive. It may be the place where you have known the greatest opposition and struggles. It may be that you don't want to spoil your relationship. But this is our starting point. We can come to our Heavenly Father and ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit boldness and to give us wisdom and opportunities to reach people with the good news. Research also suggests that 27%, I'm not really very good with figures, so forgive me, 27% of people who became Christians Um, became a Christian through having a conversation with somebody that they knew well. 27% of people became a Christian from having a conversation with someone that they know well. 9% of people that became Christians became a Christian through having a conversation with people that they didn't know well. 
So your friends are three times more likely to become a Christian from having a conversation with you than any other person that they may, may come into contact with. So whether you find it easier to talk to people that you don't know about Jesus, the people that you know are more likely to become a Christian because they know you. Jesus taught profound truths in very simple ways. He often used parables or stories to get his message across. And Paul in the Bible, he even talks about how he met with Jesus, and we can read accounts of that in the Bible, about how Jesus changed and impacted his life. So I want to encourage you this morning that you have something really, really simple yet powerful, that makes you to be an effective witness for Jesus. And that is simply telling your story. Now, telling your story is what I'm trying to talk about today, and that is how we're going to witness to people and tell people about Jesus. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to, to fill us and to, with confidence to share people about God and how he has impacted our lives with his love and his forgiveness. Your story could be the nudge that sets someone onto that path of discovering Jesus for themselves. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 to 16 says that, talks about, um, talks about being prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have and that we must always do this with gentleness and respect. You know, rejection of others can be really, really hard to handle. Nobody likes being rejected but we must not fear it. We must not let this stop us from stepping out. You know, we all have this built-in need, and, and I have found that when I treat people with love and respect, that when I give, when I talk about my faith, or when I'm talking about what God is doing in my life, when I talk to people with love and respect in that way, that if they're not interested, do you know what? They actually reject it with love and respect. And, you know, it's not me that they're rejecting. It's the message that they're rejecting. It's Jesus that, re that they're rejecting. And the thing is, Jesus can handle it. So, when we share our story, we should not fear rejection from others of ourselves, but express our story always without judgment, with always without criticism, because our message is all about love and acceptance, which others need to discover in Christ Jesus. So let's start being a witness by simply telling our stories. Now, we acknowledge it's very hard to, to even keep quiet about some things in life, you know, like the birth of a baby, or we want to talk about falling in love, and we want to talk about our sports team that are being really successful, or we might even want to talk about our children that are doing really successful in their exams or doing well. And, you know, we, can't, we find it really hard, don't we, to talk about keep those things quiet. We might, we might even be that really annoying person, and we know it's annoying, be that really annoying person that gets all these endless photographs out of our recent 
a holiday. You know who you are. And we want to show them, because we've had such an amazing time on holiday, we just want to show them every single snap, don't we? You know, we, fa- we, we don't find that hard. And we know that sometimes it can be a bit annoying, but we still do it, don't we? It's really exciting. And I know it is sometimes really hard to talk about the amazing things that God has done for us. Because we're worried about what people might think of us. We think, actually, I sound a bit strange. Or, you know, we're talking about what Jesus has done in my life. Talking about a holiday, it's, that's normal. And everyone talks about holiday and falling in and out of love. Everyone talks about that. And, you know, when people ask about the birth of a baby, we even revel in telling all the gory little details. Now, I think people do want to know about how your life has changed since you have met Jesus Christ. Or how you found hope in a hopeless situation. People do want to know about those things. They want to know about how you were comforted and how he gave you strength in difficult situations. They want to know about how you encountered his love and his presence in in a time of worship. They do actually want to know about those things. You know, and I think people will start asking you more questions when you start talking about those things. There is something in the heart of every single person that knows there is so much more to life than this. And you have got something that you can share to reveal that there is more to life than what you are experiencing right now. We must not keep silent about what Christ has done for us. Let's face it, most people love a true story, however wacky or weird it sounds. You know, those of us who are Christians believe that what the Bible says is true. And we love reading the Bible, and we we get encouraged by reading the Bible. We like reading the stories and the miracles. and, And when we read it, our faith is built up. But if you are not a Christian, the Bible is just a book of words. And I know some people, and, and I've heard testimonies of how some people have picked up the Bible, they're not a Christian, and they've met Jesus when they've read the Bible. But generally, generally non-Christians find the Bible is just a book. So um, we can come with a really clever, well-rehearsed argument and, you know, with chapter and verse, but we will never convince people of the power and the love of God by, by bringing this clever, persuasive argument, quoting chapter and verse. But we can convince people about the love and the power of God when we tell people about how God has moved in our lives through a relationship with Jesus. We can talk about a healing or a provision. We can talk about a hope and a confidence since knowing Jesus. No one can deny your experience No one can deny that Jesus is real to you. And so so we can sow seeds of faith as we talk about our relationship with Jesus, what Jesus has done in our life. We can sow seeds of faith into those who are willing to hear it. So you can share about how God has transformed your life. Talk about what your life was like before you met Jesus. Talk about how you felt when you met Jesus. 
Talk about what your life is like now that you know Jesus, how you are full of hope for the future, when you go through difficulties, that he is there with you and he's put people around you, that when you're facing things, that he gives you wisdom and strength and, and you just know what to do of how to deal with those situations. Talk about the provision that God has given you, that you know, you've, you know you were, you're in a situation and you didn't know how to get through it and suddenly you just know that God moved on your behalf and this is what happened. All our stories are different. and You don't have to make anything up to make it more exciting or to make it sound more attractive. You need to be real. Talk about real experiences. You know, there may not have been a lightning bolt moment, but you know something happened in that moment. Talk about that. That is really powerful. Our own story, your story about the role of Jesus in your life as a key part to play in spreading the gospel. Your, story are the, your stories are the seeds, are seeds to be sown. They are real and personal and all about real life situations. Often we want to paint this amazing picture of what life is like now, we're a Christian, you know, how perfect life is since I met Jesus. But do you know what? I don't know any Christian that's got a perfect life. Do you? I don't know anyone that's got a perfect life. So let's just be real. Let's be real. Do you know, we go, Christians go, through every single thing that a non-Christian goes through. But the difference is that we have Jesus that is with us, who strengthens us, who guides us, who gives us wisdom, who just helps us. There's people around us that will pray for us. There is something different about being a Christian that helps us to live this life that everybody else is living you know, even when I'm talking now, you may even be thinking, you know, well, I'm in this environment, whether it's at work or whatever, where I'm in a situation that if I start talking about Jesus, then, you know, I'll be sacked or thrown out or, the, or whatever, you know, and, you know, and I think that we can be in those situations sometimes. And, and so I just want to encourage you, even just think about your story and just think and ask God, say, God, you know, I can't give my story or talk about this in that situation. But ask God to give you wisdom. How else can I be a really good witness for you in this situation? Don't just sort of think, well, I can't do it, so I won't even think about it. Think about it. Pray about it. You have something really powerful. And I believe that you are in the situation that you are in because God has placed you there. This is where God wants you to start. And so it might be a different situation to, to anybody else. But think about it and pray about it. Always keep your stories short and, and leave spaces for people to ask you questions and you know, give them opportunities to, to talk to you and, and, to, and to engage with what you're saying. And so don't forget, evangelism is essentially introducing one person to another and with that, we need a personal touch. So when you are with people, what's really important is that you always listen carefully to what they're saying. Think about what might be concerning them. What are their needs? What is the Holy Spirit showing you about them? 
What can you say about God that can really help them in their situation? Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's something that you've gone through where God has helped you. And you could talk about that. Maybe there's an opportunity where you can say, um, you know, can I pray for you about that? And, um, and just ask them if you can pray for them. And um, when you do pray for people, especially if it's in a public place, you can just keep your eyes open. There's nothing wrong praying simple prayers. Keep your eyes open. And don't pray some long theological prayer where actually they start looking at you and thinking, oh, you're talking like gobbledygook right now. I have no idea what you're saying. It all sounds a bit weird. We can pray really simple prayers. And I love praying for people, for God to reveal himself to them. And, and I've had many, many powerful encounters just praying simple prayers with people. More people than not, always, more, pe- more people than not say yes when I ask them if I can pray for them. You know, and sometimes um, after you've prayed with them or maybe you've told them their story and, and you can see, you know, they still seem a bit more interested or they're asking you questions and maybe you, you might like to say at this point, well, would you like to know more about Jesus? And, and then you can start telling them more about Jesus if they say yes, not if they say no, only if they say yes. <laughs> So maybe, um, you know, maybe like they've asked you about your weekend and at church on Sunday there was a testimony of how somebody believed that God was going to heal their son. You know, it was a desperate situation and and they prayed and, and, and their son was completely healed. Tell that story. That's an amazing story of the power of God moving in someone's life and bringing healing um, so remember these stories and remember the testimonies. If ever you have a testimony and you get called out to come and give a testimony, give the testimony because this is a tool that we can use to help other people that are going through the same thing. When you're giving your testimony up here, somebody else in the same room could be going through exactly the same thing and that is exactly what they need to hear right now. And we can take those stories away with us and we can share those to people that don't know Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't always preach at people. He often identified a need in people and asked them questions about, um, or questions or told them stories. And people that came into contact with him felt that he cared about them or that he was their friend. Part of um, um, this recent survey um, that I was looking at, it says that... Um, um, that there are more people that, um, oh yeah, so other than being, other than, um, being brought up in a Christian home, more people become Christians through attending a church service that's not a wedding or a funeral. And, um, and also, in another study, it says that there are more people that go to church than any other reason because somebody invited them to church. So asking people to come to church, maybe people start asking you questions and you start thinking, oh, I have no idea. Why don't you come along to church? Do you know, you inviting them to church is really good a possibility that actually they may even find Jesus at church. Let people make their own decisions about what church is like. Invite them to come along. 
You know, as you think about your story, so don't worry about having all the answers. You know, people don't actually mind if you don't know all the answers, and are happy to accept that. So you can invite them to come to church, or even come to an Alpha course, which is starting this Wednesday. So invite people to come to that. Invite the Holy Spirit to help you constantly. Ask him for opportunities to sow seeds into people's lives. Pray for the people that you know that are not Christians. Think about who you know that are not Christians and maybe get to know them better, become more friendly towards them and just keep praying for them. If someone asks you, um, if someone lets you pray for them and, and you get that opportunity to say to them, you know, would you like to know more? about Jesus, so you've told them all your story and, and it's really impacted their life and, and all of that, and they're like, yeah, actually, I do want to know more about Jesus. Then you can start telling them God's story. And God's story goes a little bit something like this. God's intention was to create all of creation so that his glory would be put on display and that this creation will be ruled by a people who he created in his image. He wanted to create people that were like himself, that would rule all of creation, and he loved those people. But the problem was that those people decided, do you know what, I want to do this my own way. And that decision to do things their own way brought division between them and a loving father. And so when um, that division came um, and they no longer could have that relationship with their loving father because, um, because um, all the wrong that came into li- their life because of that rejection of Jesus, and this is called sin. And sin is not only did it corrupt the lives of the people that decided that they wanted to reject wants to reject God, but like a computer virus that corrupts a computer, all its files and all its program, that sin not only corrupted our own lives, but corrupted the whole of creation. But God still wanted to have a relationship with us, and the only way that he could have a relationship with us was if we were made clean again, that our sins were forgiven, all that we did wrong was forgiven, and the only way that that could happen was if there was a sacrifice. And Jesus, God's own son, was someone that was only, that was the only one that was powerful enough, holy enough, holy enough, who lived a pure and good life, that was, that he was the only one that could pay for our sins. And because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus into this world to pay for our sin. And while Jesus was here, he showed us how to live by the life he lived. And even though he did nothing wrong, he stayed in relationship with his father. He did absolutely nothing wrong. And because of his love for us, he went to the cross and died a painful and agonizing death. And on that cross, he paid for everything that we have done wrong. And when we believe in him, we put our trust in him. And when we say, Jesus, forgive us of everything that we've done wrong, then he forgives us. And he makes us right before our Father. And he cleanses us. And he takes away all our shame and all our guilt. So when we say to him, Jesus, we want you to be the Lord of our lives, he comes right in there and he helps us and he supports us. And we we can become completely 
completely clean and we have given a fresh new start to live this life again when we are baptised in water and we leave our old self behind. And to demonstrate the power of God that, that not only did God... Um, be all of sin and, and all the things that were going on in this world, even beat the works of the enemy, Jesus rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit from the grave. And he went to be with the Father. And he sends us the Holy Spirit that we can now receive in our lives to live the life empowered in Jesus' name so we can live this life like Jesus lived this life until he returns again and makes all things new and we can tell that story and when we finish telling that story we can say would you like to know Jesus's forgiveness would you like a personal relationship with Jesus know him as the Lord of your life where he will forgive you take away your shame and guilt are you ready to live your life for Jesus and if in that moment they say yes then you can pray with them and help them you know, and that is just the beginning of their journey of, of discovering Jesus for themselves and they're starting their new relationship with Jesus. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember what he is continuing to do in your life and share that. It's not, you're not trying to convince someone about anything by ramming down anything down anyone's throat. You're not trying to be all clever and all persuasive but you are gently, respectfully, lovingly, graciously sharing your story, your testimony about your life, real life, about your experience, about what God is doing in your life. And it may not lead to someone making that decision to follow Jesus for the rest of their life every time you tell your story, but it could be the nudge for someone discovering Jesus for themselves. Okay, thank you.